I know the first time that I saw that, it really impacted me. It, it was a little bit of a gut punch. Why weren't you down here in, in telling me th this beforehand and staying until everyone agreed? Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephen Donnelly. I'm a Hebrew Bible student, and I, um, I help out with teaching uh, from time to time around here. And uh, we've been doing this series, Got Questions. And of all the big, important questions that we do and have talked about, perhaps there is none that has the most relevance, or at least it's among the ones that have the most relevance for our daily lives. Because whether you have purpose or there's a lack of it makes this huge difference in, in what we do and how we do it and how we think. Um, a long time ago, about 15 years ago, I was uh, a clerk in the U.S. bankruptcy court, in the federal courts. I processed bankruptcy cases for a living. If you've ever heard of a bureaucrat, you know, that person who sits behind a desk and they move papers from one pile and then over to the other pile or uh, putting in data into the computer, uh, telling you what you did wrong and here, take it back and fix it. Oh, by the way, you need to have A, B, C, D, and E, F, J, <laughs> E, F, G, H, I, and J. And if you get any of it wrong, you do it again and do it again until you get it right. I was the rule enforcer, the problem creator for people who just wanted to get stuff done. Uh, and I thought my boss was an idiot. I hated my job, and it was boring, it was dull. I wanted to do, I tried everything I could to, to move to some other job. I even tried lateral positions, you know, going to something that was on the same level, not even a promotion, not even more money, exactly the same, just somewhere else. And one day I was doing something very spiritual. I was, it was morning, and I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth. Uh, God has a sense of humor. And I was looking in the mirror and brushing my teeth and uh, doing this very ordinary task and just thinking to myself, what, what am I still doing here? Why can't I get out of this job? And with a clarity that I have rarely experienced uh, in my life, a few times, God spoke to me and said, I have a work for you to do. One sentence, that's all I got. Sorry, I can't give you a, a long a chapter of the Bible. Just, I have a work for you to do. And yet, that one sentence transformed my life. When I ended up going back, when I, as I began to do my job, it went from being terrible to okay, to good. And then I started loving it. And then I got good at it. And, you know, my boss, they got smarter. It was, it was amazing. Uh, and then eventually I got good enough, and then I became the boss, and I was the idiot. Uh, <laughs> nothing changed about the job or about my boss except me. And what changed in me is God gave me a sense of purpose. 
And if you want to know what was the work that he had me to do, I didn't know. That's the, I didn't know. I didn't know then. I didn't know for years. In fact, it took me from, say, 2003-ish. It took me 11 years, around 2014, 2015, before it finally dawned on me what it was that God wanted me, what, what the work was. He was working in me and preparing me for grad school so that I'd be ready for the next phase of, of his purpose for me. I, I went on to do seminary, and now I'm a PhD student. And all of those years, the bankruptcy court of all places, God used to train me to be ready for, uh, for the next phase of my life and for the next stage of whatever it is that he wants me to do. I still don't know exactly where it's going to end. It's kind of penciled in, but, you know, with God, he has a really big eraser uh, with our plans. So our sense of purpose is hugely important. And as you might guess from our, our video, the biblical answer, the Christian answer to the question, do our lives have a purpose? Does everyone have a purpose? The answer is, of course, yes. But that's not the only answer. There is another answer out there. Because if you don't believe in God, if you, or just prefer to ignore the question, or you only think about and consider as real the things that are in the natural world, the things that science can demonstrate or at least theorize about, then there's a very stark reality you have to face. You have to face the fact that the universe came into existence by chance, for no reason at all. All life on Earth, especially and including the human race, we are the products of chance. What uh, the atheist Richard Dawkins calls the, uh, the product, we are the product of the blind watchmaker. watchmaker. Things are happening over and over again, and eventually something clicks and gets better. And then something ha things happen over and over again that something clicks and gets better. And if you think I'm putting the case uh, a little too strongly, and let, let's hold off on that for just a second, it, it gets worse. The personal identity that you think you have it's just chemical reactions in your brain, electrical currents going through the synapses of your, of your brain. When it comes down to it, we are just cells made of molecules, made of atoms. There's nothing more to us. No soul, no personal identity. We don't really exist. Our, our identity is, 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 is something that almost we imagine. And when we die, we just cease to exist. That's it. And then when the natural processes of, of this world, you know, mess things up, that's it for whatever dies. And then when the sun blows up, then every it all ceases to exist. None of it really matters. Your life doesn't matter. Your work doesn't matter. Your kids don't matter. Your job doesn't nothing, nothing matters. All of our charity work, all the things that we are important to us don't matter. Everything is empty and meaningless. And, and it's not just me. Dawkins says, this sounds savagely cruel, but as we shall see, nature is not cruel, only piteously indifferent. This is one of the hardest lessons for humans to learn. We cannot admit that things might be neither good nor evil nor cruel nor kind, but simply callous. Indifferent to all suffering, 
lacking all purpose. So it's not just me. This is for those who advocate strongly for a life without God, for a, a universe without God. They're, they're up front with it. There is no purpose to any of it. Life has no meaning. And even prominent atheists admit that you can't live life that way. Uh, if you can go to the next slide, please. A life that partakes, this is Christopher Hitchens. He is, he, he is a no-holds-barred atheist. He will come right at you. He is very tough on religion and, and Christianity in particular. And uh, so you can say he's a strong advocate on that. He says, a life that partakes even a little of friendship, love, irony, humor, parenthood, literature, and music, the chance to take part in battles for the liberation of others, cannot be called meaningless, except if the person living it is also an existentialist and elects to call it so. And this is where I want to focus. It could be that all existence is a pointless joke, but it is not in fact possible to live one's everyday life as if this were so. And the reason why I included the part before that is because he can't live life like it's actually meaningless, so he made up a meaning for himself. For him, he picked important relationships. He picked the arts. But it's completely arbitrary. You could pick anything else you want to, to give meaning to your life without God. It's just one is as good as the other because ultimately he just made it up. You're just making up. It's all empty. That is the other answer. But, but, if God is real, and he is, I can tell you with my whole heart, he is. This bleak picture is not true. I don't mean to depress you, but you needed to know the other answer. But God's answer is different. Uh, bring up the next slide, please. Uh, and one more. The universe was created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, we humans were created in the image of God. Go ahead, next. Uh, oops, sorry. Uh, I skipped ahead of myself. Life on earth is the product of meticulous care and craftsmanship. Look at Psalm 19.1. Go back. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The work of his hands. The universe is God's craftsmanship. Next. Then God said, let us, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. We're not just an intelligent ape. God made us in his likeness. We are special and unique. In ancient times, this would have been revolutionary because in ancient times, they, only the king was made in the likeness of, of, of God. But the Bible says, each and every one of us is made in God's image, in his likeness. God knew what kind of person he was make, making when he made you. Go ahead, the next one. 
This is Psalm 139, which is mentioned in the video. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Think about it. Before the foundation of the world, before you were born, before the foundation of the world, before time began, God knew you, knew each and every one of us, knew what kind of lives, what lives we had lived, the people we had become. He knew all of our struggles, all of our pain, all the problems that we go through, and he made us because he loved us. And he thought we were priceless. And he created each and every one of us for a purpose. Bring up Isaiah, uh, the next one. Isaiah 46. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. When God decides that he wants to do something, nothing can change it. He will do all that he pleases. So what does he want to do? Uh, speaking of those who love God, go on to the next slide. And this is Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And the part that most people skip over, who have been called... According to his purpose. He had a purpose when he called each and, one, each and every one of us because he loved us before we loved him. He has a purpose for us. Next, please. For I know the plans I have for you. Here, uh, Jeremiah is speaking to, to people who have been shipped off to another country. They've lost their, their home, their land, their government, their king, their, their possessions. Many of their relatives have been killed or died along the way, and things are pretty rotten. And, Jeremiah, and God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah, and to us, I think, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. My friends, we are not an accident. We have a creator who loves us. And because he loves us, we have a purpose for today, for the present, and a hope for the future. That's great and all. Nice, you know. Great, we have a purpose for our life. So what do we do now? What does that mean for me? I took the time, and I'm sitting here, and I'm having to listen to you. So what does it mean? Well, a lot, of, a lot of people, maybe even some in this room, their lives are, it feels empty, worthless, meaningless. We feel worthless. That we're not actually good for anything that we're of no value to anyone. In fact, the world might be better without us. That our pain and our and 
our mistakes are so great that life is just not worth living. Maybe we should give it up. But I want to tell you that you are precious in God's eyes. You are more valuable to him than everything in all the world. He loved you so much that Jesus came and he died for you. He thought you were so valuable that you were worth dying for. And if you look to him, he'll show you your purpose. And none of your pain, nothing you have gone through, none of the mistakes you have made in in some people's mistakes have destroyed relationships, marriages, friendships. Some of our mistakes have landed us in jail. I've had friends that landed them in jail several times. Um, and in rehab. I've had other friends that have landed them in rehab several times. Um, and none, not one single thing you can possibly do can derail God's purpose for your life. None of these things. His purpose will stand. And I learned this lesson kind of in a, in a stupid way, and I, I apologize for being a little silly, but I've learned an important lesson in a silly way. Uh, I was a, I was a uh, uh, when I was a, a student at another university, I had this professor. He's kind of a grouch. It turned out he was actually kind of a nice guy and was really looking out for us, but he was a grouch. You didn't really want to come to his office. And one time he was uh, being his grouchy self, and he was saying, I don't know why these students keep coming to me asking me to change their grade. What I like to do is I ask them this. Does, change, does this lower grade derail God's purpose for your life? If somehow you made a B instead of an A, does, that, does God, all of God's plans just fall apart? No. <laughs> no, my silly grade did not somehow catch God by surprise and derail his plans and cause everything to fall apart. God saw it coming and knew exactly what was going to happen and, and my or someone else's B or B plus or whatever or, or C or F did not mess up God's plans. And just as some students' little mistake doesn't mess up God's plans, neither do your big mistakes any of our big mistakes, my big mistakes. Uh, I had a friend, uh, he ended up being the best man at my wedding. 25, 30 years ago, he was a notorious drug addict. He actually had a, uh, he actually had a, a, a Baltimore City judge look over the bench at him and say, Mr. What was his last name, you disgust me. He and his drug buddy used to uh, Rob the the drug runners <laughs> uh, for th for their uh, for their stuff. He went into jail and to rehab several times, and none of that derailed God's purpose for his life. God turned him around, and he became clean for twenty five thirty years before he passed. And he had a heart of gold. He was one of my very best friends, and one of the people I would trust with anything, and he would just give and give and give selflessly. God had a wonderful purpose for his life that no matter what he did, he was unable to wreck it. 
So put your trust in God. Even if you feel like your life is worthless, you are precious in his eyes. But there's also, you know, one of the funny things is that um, about living in Mason, the Mason, Lebanon, Westchester area, I've noticed that it's kind of a funny thing. In this area, it's like everything is perfect. The houses are large. The cars are nice and shiny and new. The lawns are mowed. This is a landscaper's dream because every, everything is perfectly manicured. The roads are paved. The community center, the, bu- the government buildings, the, the stores, everything is new and nice and well-kept. I've been in lots of places. That is not the tr- that's, not ab- that's not true at all. The town center, I'm thinking of you folks in Lebanon, looks like a postcard. Looks like something out of a Norman Rockwell painting or something like that. Uh, even with the, the vintage ice cream parlor and you know the golden lamb and all that, everything is awesome. But for some of us, and maybe even some in this room, it, it's just a facade. Inside, we're empty. Inside, it's just er- everything's messed up. We're stressed. We don't know what to do. Uh, uh, we're bored, and and there's just or on the and we're just kind of floating through life. Others of us are so busy, and I'm often one of them. We're running here and there, taking care of things for the job, taking care of things for the house, taking care of things for our spouse, running our kids here and there. I've, I I just started swim camp with Caleb, and I'm like. Ah. Now, now I have yet another thing that I somehow have to keep track of. And many of you have much, much more than I have to do. Um, uh, so, But the problem is we get so busy that we often feel like we're on a hamster wheel and that we just can't get off. Running, 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 running. And what happens is we look to the house, the cars, the shiny new things, the electronics, the boats, I mean, whatever it is that, that, that we have, our material things to comfort us. After expending all of that effort, they're our reward. Hey, I, I've earned this. You know, the phrase, living for the weekend. Well, the problem is living for the weekend isn't much to live for. You can do this over and over again, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And next thing you know, 20 years go by, and what have we done with our lives? What have our lives meant? Did we just waste that time trying to s- numb ourselves with pleasures or, or, or tied up with busy- busyness that ultimately didn't mean anything? Let's not fill the void of our lives with business, busyness and numb ourselves with pleasures. Talk to God about what he made us for. Talk to God about what he made us for. That's prayer. If you want to get to the religious terms, that's prayer. But talk to God about what he made us for. And don't be content with second and third best. Don't be content with just the material things that, uh, that comfort us. 
and don't be scared. I know we have this image of, in our mind, a lot of people, that if I find out God's purpose for my life, he's going to ask me to quit my job, go into ministry, take a vow of poverty, and move to the other side of the world in some hut somewhere as a missionary. Eh. That's not what it meant for me. I'm still here. Uh, for some people, it doesn't mean that, but it can mean all kinds of things depending on who you are and what God's purpose is for your life. Don't be scared. What it does mean is that when you're talking to God and you're listening to him, surrender control and trusting him with the results. What it means is a life infinitely more rich and meaningful than our salaries could ever provide. I don't care if you make $100 million per year. You cannot provide yourself a life as rich and meaningful as the one that God wants for you. As when you're following his purpose for your life. There's a story that uh, Chuck Swindoll told, uh, actually now about eight years ago. And uh, my wife Carolyn and I heard it as we were preparing to move uh, from Baltimore to Chicago because uh, we were... I was, I was leaving my job to go to seminary because for me it did mean leaving my job. And, but I am, I'm, I am not in Africa, Asia, or anywhere else. Uh, and it did, God did take me to the strangest of places. It took, he took me here. Um, Chicago wasn't so strange. Here was, everything's nice. What do you mean everyone has two cars? <laughs> um, I found out that uh, MECC has Mason Early Childhood Center which only goes to second grade has 2,000 students that blows my mind um, so for I never imagined that I would live in the Cincinnati area but this is where God took us and it has been a wonderful and wild ride and throughout this ride for, this la for these last actually eight years this story that Chuck Swindoll told that we first heard before we let began it the journey has really meant a lot for us and for any of you who who know my wife if you ever see her with a little uh necklace that has a tiny little bicycle on it that's this story is part of the reason why she wears that he calls it the road of life we call it simply the bike ride story
that meant so much to me over the last eight years. For some of us, my friends, we need to put our trust in Jesus to begin with. We need to get on the bike in the first place. Instead of trusting ourselves, trusting um, our reason, trusting our, uh, our job or material things, others of us, it's time to switch places and give him control so that he's driving things and all we have to do is pedal. But wherever you find yourself in this, when you put your trust in God and surrender control to him, he will show you his, his purpose. He will develop his purpose. And you will live a life more significant, more meaningful, richer, with more joy than you could ever create on your own. Than you could ever create on your own. So let's take some time and pray and talk to him about what it is that he wants to do with our lives. Whether you're, whether you're young and you have your whole life ahead of you, or you feel like you're heading into the home stretch. God is not done with you yet. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we honor you and we glorify you for all that you've done. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you that you made us with such care. And that we're exactly what you wanted us to be. Lord, help us and show us what it is that you would have us to do both now and in the future. Show us, Lord, what your purpose is for us. Lead us and guide us every step of the way, Lord. Give us peace when we're scared. Give us the strength to trust and to believe in you. And Lord, we trust you that you will make more of our lives than we could ever make for ourselves. Lord, reveal to us what it is and help us along the way. I ask Jesus in your precious name, amen.